there's a couple of things that you're working on. First of all, thanks for doing this. This is this is awesome. I'm really pumped to, to hear more about what all you're doing. Um, but I mean that, which is a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. You've got uh, modern day horsemanship, uh, yep. and then we, we were talking the other day, and, and it sounds like you've got a, a couple of other things in the works. You're going to Brazil to work with uh, some kids in an orphanage, um, and then you've got some plans for the future. So, yes. what? I mean, let's start with modern day horsemanship. I mean, can you give us a, a little bit of a rundown on what that what that is? Yeah, absolutely. You know, modern day horsemanship. I started it um, right after I left Ryan Roses last year. So this time last year. So it's one year in, and I didn't really have an overall goal going into it. Uh, all I knew was that I wanted to be able to help people and horses achieve their mm-hmm. goals. And um, this year has really been focusing on the on the horses. And I work a lot with uh, Arabians and rescue horses. So at the moment, uh, I have a gelding program. So I took in horse, 10 or 11 horses from ages 2 to 5, and I brought them in. Uh, they were horses that wouldn't be trained otherwise. So all I did was I charged everybody board, and if they kept their horse for themselves, I wouldn't charge them another penny. And if I sold them, I would take a little bit of commission. But basically the idea behind it was to give people the opportunity to see these Arabians in a different light and Mm -hmm. to see them well-trained and educated and something that maybe they wouldn't have had the chance to if they were just shown under halter or just sitting in the pasture or whatever yeah. it may be. So that's just wrapping up right now, and it turned out incredibly well, and uh, the response from people was, was tremendous. But I think most of all for me, just seeing the changes in the horses, seeing them go home to their owners and their owners riding them and having fun and sending me updates, uh, to me that that's what makes it – uh, worthwhile for for the last six months. I've been getting up every day and working my best to help these horses um, get calmer and relaxed and understand that riding can be about a partnership and having fun. And I really think we got uh, a lot out of that program. And then uh, I also work with a couple rescues here in town. Uh, one specifically. Windy Hill Horse Rescue, and uh, I help rehome and train for them. And I just have a huge passion for for rescue horses and giving them a second chance at life and helping them understand that whatever happened in the past was the past, but we're starting a fresh start, and we are going to be able to move forward one step at a time by gaining that trust from them again. Yeah, that's um, you know that's really awesome, and I think that that's something that's really needed with especially with the Arab breed you know there's a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about rescue horses and about horses that have had previous lives just in general like you know with the thoroughbreds mm-hmm. with the off the track thoroughbreds but with Arabs it's, it's a little bit different like people just kind of assume that they're fire breathing dragons and when <laughs> exactly. it's really like and and I mean that's not to say that some of them are like like super extroverted and they really you know get wound up and that's not to say that that some of them don't look it but they're actually really intelligent horses and a lot of times it's just that maybe they're not they haven't been t- like they've been trained but they haven't been tamed yes and and uh just that they're all they're like 
too smart for their owners good you know what i mean like <laughs> if, if they have that if if they if they're having problems with uh with uh arab and they don't know what to do it's not it's a lot of, it's not the horse's fault you know they're just they're just uh getting up some pent up frustrations about almost being too smart for the situation <laughs> Exactly. I kind of relate, um, you know, dealing with Arabs to an energetic teen that's um, <laughs> cooped up for a little while and just wants to let their energy out. It's not that they're not smart and it's not that they don't have what it takes, but they just have that extra energy just like a teenager does that wants to run around for a little bit and, um, yeah. you know, kind of escape. So uh, I, I always kind of enjoy that analogy because I remember when I was a teen, you know, maybe sometimes people thought I was a little bit energetic and, um, you know, my teachers asked me to settle down a little bit, but the best teachers were able to understand me and help me focus my attention for a positive thing and not worry about the negatives. Yeah, that's, that's, that is a good analogy. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. It's not copyrighted. Hey, but, so. but yeah, so this isn't like a like a new thing for you or for your family. You guys have been working hard at kind of redefining the breed and also you know breeding not necessarily based on um you know papers per se because Arabs are really, you know, they're very heavily bred on who their ancestry is. Yes. But breeding more selectively for horses that have a kinder temperament or maybe you can phrase that better oh yeah absolutely and um you know the first time i really started to think about it is when i went out to circle bar ranch and saw their ranch horses and their mind not only were they gorgeous and well built but their mind and their disposition is what made them special and i came home three years ago from that and i was like you know we really have to focus on their mind first because we can work with maybe a not a perfect confirmation at the beginning even if it's just a little off, but if we don't have a good mind that wants to be successful with people, that wants to work with us, and that wants to problem solve and think through issues instead of react first, then we're going to be on to something. And every year we've bred since, we've gotten a little bit better with who we were breeding to and just looking kind of past the beauty because, I mean, they're all beautiful, but into the deeper thing like creating that connection in the mind and breeding only to our mares that have that quality. And so far, so good. I'm starting my first uh, round of these horses that we bred this fall. So I'm just really excited to see how that goes. Oh, I see. So this is uh, this is a kind of a, a little bit newer. Yeah, bit, so uh, my family's been breeding for a little while. But right, but we're this just kind of selective. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to see how, like, if it comes out in the first generation or if it's something that's, you know, takes a couple of generations to really see a difference. We actually had, so there's a couple of stallions that I really like, um, that, but we have their older mares that we bred to from them. And mm -hmm. we decided to breed to similar like-minded stallions for, for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, each year it's kind of gotten a little bit better. Um, and it's w one of the stallions that we like, um, we, we've been breeding to this 
a couple mares, but one mare in speci- like specifically, every foal she has, she brings out confident horses. And it's just funny because they come out and they're ready to bond right away. And I, I haven't Ooh. seen anything like it. And um, the, so we've had it for every year since we, this is our third year trying to focus on that. And every year she's had a foal both fillies and little colts that have come out and are just confident. I, I have a little um, six-month-old right now who's being tied up for the farrier. I'm not even out there. I'm not worried about him. He's just eating his hay and acting like a, you know, a grown-up already just because wow. he's just mind. He thinks through things. Yeah, that's, um, that's huge. <laughs> Having yeah. having that settled mind and ab- ability to like it's like an innate curiosity of things instead of fear, you know. It's like <laughs> not that they don't need taming right. or anything like that, but it's kind of like they come out of the box a little bit, ready to ready to question things as opposed to run away from them or be fearful. Yep. I wondered. I wondered on there. too what like the what the unintended consequences of that will be. Not that I think that there will be any but it's kind of like you know when when people started first domesticating dogs and it's not something that i know a lot about like i you know i'm not an expert on that by any means but i did read an article about that process and how it changed the appearance of the dog a little bit and yes and also it kind of made the it made the pups a little bit less mature when they were born like they used to you know when they were wild they would come uh you know when the when they would uh give birth to the pups they would be a little bit more ready for the world they wouldn't stay in the den uh, as much and so i kind of wonder you know i don't think it'll be that drastic but if there is something like i don't know <laughs> color or you know maybe with a dished appearance of their faces if that's will change at all or um you know the way the way that they, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that we kind of think of Arabs as carrying themselves is a little bit more, with a little bit more suspension, or, or uh, you know, keeping the tail up, or you know, all that stuff. If if those things mm-hmm. will change as kind of those outward, uh, outward appearance type things, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's kind of a, you know, whenever you see an Arab, you always know it's an Arab. That's the kind of the, one of the cool things about the breed, too. It's like, when if you go to, we had the Midwest Horse Fair here last weekend, and they do mm-hmm. these breed demos in the Coliseum. It was so cold here. It was like, it was in the <laughs> 30s. Sunday was snowing a little bit. It was just crazy. Oh. <clears throat> you never know what you're going to get. Midwest Horse Fair is either, like, real hot or it's real cold. And, um... You can always tell they do these breed demos. Of course, everybody's in the Coliseum because it's one of the one of the two heated indoor buildings, and so everybody goes in there to to get a break from the cold. And we were in there, and you could tell once those Arabs came out, they're kind of, you know, they're just so light on their feet, and they're just, you know, they just have this way of presenting themselves. It's like. You know, they got showmanship written all over them. You know, that's right. They kind of just glide. You know, they they make themselves known. They do. They do. What have you been? Uh, have you been working on anything with with your era with Gammy? You know, don't judge me, but I have been so swamped. I've barely ridden her in the last six months. So, but my goal is this year is um, I want to come up again to Ryan, and maybe I can bring Gammy up. And um, I really the rest of the year I want to focus on. 
teaching and developing Gammy and my horsemanship skills because Gammy is um, the first horse I ever started. She's the f- horse that uh, I have the biggest bond with, and she is who mm-hmm. I am as a horseman. Everything she knows, I know, you know, and everything, you know, I know she knows pretty much. So it's one of those things that she represents me and everything that I stand for. So it's kind of time to get back to her and focus on her and develop her instead of um, these other horses right now. You guys did some awesome stuff, I mean, before that, when you were were up here um, riding with with Ryan. But, I mean, you you know, she was on cows and... You know, did a little bit of roping, and you know, did all kinds of all kinds of different things, going out for long trail rides and exposing her to new things. And she did really well with yeah, it. Yeah, and that and that was so fun. And I tell you what, the, the funniest thing about all of that, and this is why I love natural horsemanship the most, is we got home, and I don't know, maybe a couple weeks later, I wish I caught it on video. We got this cow coming into our pasture, the pasture she was in, and trying to eat all their food. So, so Gammy, just a random yeah, cow, just, a, just like a, <laughs> like a rogue cow. Yeah, it is like just only in Texas. Just like yeah, we had this cow walk into our. Uh, <laughs> the full effect of that finally hit me. I'm like, wait, you don't have cows? <laughs> I know that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like I don't even know how it got there. It must have hopped like two fences or went through yeah. two fences. And anyway, oh you know, gosh. so the other horses started running from it and letting eat, you know, letting them eat her food. And Gammy starts cutting this cow back and forth in the pasture <laughs> by herself. And I just wow. look at like I didn't even like bring up my pick up my phone. I was just in shock. And pretty soon the cow just left. Wow. And I was like, that is exactly why we do it the way we do it. And whether it's through Ryan Rose or Doug wow. Jordan, I mean, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it's not like she's a cow horse. She just had the two the three months of training while I was there. So that's just so cool. That's incredible. That's such a cool. That's such a cool story. I love yes. that. You know, you hear about like uh, you know mules or donkeys going out and pushing people off, but or pushing you know predators or rogue cows, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> off properties. But that is just that is such an interesting thing. I cannot believe that. That's so mm. cool. But you hear like you hear about stuff like that, like uh, rider falls off and the horse continues to cut. <laughs> you know at higher level competitions yep. but not like out in a field <laughs> at home she's like yeah we haven't done this in a while like, yeah. it'll be a pretty good thing that's right do. that's funny yeah so you're you're going um you're taking a little a little trip uh soon when is that going to brazil yes. right? so um it's actually called horses for orphans and uh, it's right outside the capital of brazil brasilia and i'm finalizing the dates it's going to be in late june and early july and it's basically an opportunity mm-hmm. so it's a it's run by natural horsemanship the the two uh, founders actually are come from canada and they ended up starting this program in Brazil and India and one other place, but it ended up working out the best in Brazil. It's where they take in uh, orphans who have maybe went through different experiences in life, and they introduce them to horses. And so it's more than just uh, training horses. It's developing a partnership and a trust with an animal that maybe they didn't get in their life before. And... 
I have known a couple of my friends that went down and they just said it was life changing. You know, you go down there to see if you can help, but they end up helping you. Mm. And uh, I was talking to one of the owners and he said that one of the people that they trained is still there. He's a 19 year old. He's doing Roman riding. He's, you know, riding bridalist and bareback. And now he's known as one of the best natural horsemanship trainers in the whole country. And he's only 19. And wow. that, to me, is one of the most fascinating and um, really a, one of the biggest blessings that uh, I've found and I've seen. And I just can't wait to get down there because these horses are changing the lives of these young men and women. Well, sorry, young men. Um, it's an all-boy all orphanage. And it's changing the lives forever through horsemanship. And um, I, I will have more information when I get back. But I just am so thankful I'm provided the opportunity to go down there. That is really cool. It's, it's I mean, the, the amount of things that horses can do for people is just kind of endless. I'm learning this more and more as, yes. as I like get you know deeper into the industry and and deeper into horsemanship and everything it's like the amount of things that they can help with or that they can you know it's just it just keeps the list keeps growing like helping kids with with um, you know all kinds of different issues whether it's um, you know with mobility or with emotional issues they just like there's such a unique experience and a unique animal to be around you know because they're obviously a prey animal so they react mm -hmm. very differently to things <laughs> than than like a dog <laughs> yeah. you know a dog obviously being a predator it's like it's the interaction with a dog is a lot different than with a horse because you know the horses will react to your energy coming at them they'll move away as opposed to a dog who might be like oh my gosh yeah we're, you know, we're excited now <laughs> <laughs> yep that's cool how did your i mean is because i've I've never, this sounds awesome, I've never heard of this, but your friend uh, who went and did it must, like, was this something that he's done several times, or how did... How yeah, did so actually, actually, so she's a Pirelli professional, and she went down one time in the fall, and she just got back again this spring, and she sent one of her... Uh, close friends who is also a horse trainer down there for three months. So everywhere, anyone that she go, that goes down with her or she sends down just can't stop talking about it when they get back. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I guess I I'll see why here in a couple months. So that is a good segue into what you're kind of thinking for things in the future <laughs> about maybe yes, maybe yes. having a community like a youth community for horses and maybe you can expound on yes. that. Yes. Yeah, so I have a couple big um, things that I'm working on, and uh, one uh, you don't know about yet, and I, I figured I'll bring it out here in a second, but I'll talk about my, my the youth program that I'm looking to start, and um, before I got into horse training, I coached college soccer for four years, and I didn't necessarily like the coaching college soccer anymore, but I miss so much the experience with the youth and being able to help the young men and women grow in an area in which they're enjoying. Mm -hmm. And so from the moment I left coaching, I knew I wanted to get back into teaching somehow. And I didn't know it would be through horses, but here I am wanting to start a program for, for the youth anywhere between the ages of 8 and 17. And my goal is to start a global community for the youth not only about riding, but bringing in liberty skills, meaning the horse is is 
you know, next to you on the ground, and you can just do so many cool things if you're able to connect with them. And being able to take care of them, being able to stay safe on the ground, being under, being, you know, able to understand how we can relate to them on a deeper level, not just getting on their back telling them what to do. And I am a full believer that these things start when you're young, and if we can educate the next generation of horsemen. Now, when they're young, we have set our future, not only society up for future horse success, but we have given a future to any horse that is coming out and being bred. Because I feel as if one of the things that we lack as a society of now is people being educated how to treat these horses properly Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to get the most out of them in a fundamental way that relates to horses. And because we can't think like a person when we teach horses, we have to think like a horse. And I feel like if we can teach them at a young age, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to set this society and this community up yet, but it's a dream. It's a vision. I'm going to get there. And well, we are going to get there because it's never one person. But, um, if, if we can figure out a way to, to start young and develop these skills, they will have those skills with them for the rest of their life. Even if they start a family and they get out of, out of it for a while, Mm -hmm. they will always have the knowledge to carry with them. And I am just so excited because I'm going to on my first clinic youth program um, later this summer, earlier this fall. I'm going to have these exact dates coming to you, but it's just something I just have been dreaming about and speaking wow, about nonstop, and I just really can't wait. That's really cool. That's a, uh, I mean, that's that's such a, a very good, I mean, it's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea, and it's just like, you know, the fact that you can use horses and your experiences to, to, you know, give back to the community and find another outlet that, that you can help people and also help the horses and that the horses can help the people. Like that's just, yes. you know, that's a, that's a fantastic idea. I really like that idea. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I really hope to be able to work with you guys a little bit and have you involved mm-hmm. and Ryan and, um, you know, any of the horsemen that really are, are, are passionate about what I am, um, because it's going to take an effort and a, a team to, to get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. I mean, you let me know what, what's going on and when it's going on and where it's going on, and yeah, we'll, we'll try to do something to help. I sure will. Because that's a, uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, that that education portion of it is just so critical, and it's so, it's so missing, and and like whenever there's a whenever there's a problem with the, with horses, at least so far that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, it's not a problem with a horse. It's a problem with education of the rider or the education of the trainer. Yes. And it's not to say that it's like, you know, boo on them for not being educated. It's like, well, maybe they just haven't gotten the education that they need to deal with that kind of horse or that kind of problem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, exactly. with, with people that interact with horses on on a regular level or who train horses, it just it uh it it transfers really well into other parts of your life like it you know you learn responsibility and you learn how to handle your emotions better because you can't mm-hmm. like if you if you come into the barn and you're working with the horse and you're coming in and you had a bad day and you're you know you're emotionally a little bit more wound up that is going to affect everything that you do in that session 
you know, so you kind of have to learn to like, okay, how do I, <laughs> how do I <laughs> deal with my emotions so that I can get this job done? And, you know, for kids, it's like, that's yes. huge. It, you know, it's, that's a huge thing, especially if it's, you know, kids that, that, um, have had, have had problems in the past problems at home where they're seeing things that they just don't understand. And so then they learn from it. It's like the, having horses is, you know, kind of teaches you that, that you need to act a certain way or be a certain way. That's right. You know, I, 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 um, speaking of that, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with how it teaches you life lessons. And I always relate it to, I think the best people with horses are those that can relate and seeing, because when I think about it, I know what it feels like to wake up every day and whether it's going into a classroom with a teacher that is just miserable, miserable to be around versus a teacher <laughs> that is like, just, you just look forward to. So every day yeah. I get my halter and go out and get my horses. I think how, what teacher do I want to be? Do I want to be the teacher that the horses look and the students look to come in every day? Or do I want to be the teacher where they're shaking and they're running and they try to stay out in the hallway for as long as possible um, to, before they go in? You know, eventually they're going to go in, but they don't want to. So it's like, what teacher do you want to go in? Because these life lessons, uh, will, like you said, are, are just huge because the horses are far more than just animals they can relate to us in ways that maybe others couldn't yeah that's that's um that's a really that's a great thought (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna log that one away because that is i mean that's uh because it's true and everybody's experienced that like that's something like maybe training horses is not you know everybody everybody who interacts with horses trains horses but Mm -hmm. in the sense of like you know taking horses in for training and, and all that maybe less relatable to everybody, but everybody has had a teacher that's like that. And everybody's had that experience <laughs> where it's like, Oh my God, I gotta go to chemistry. Oh, this teacher just drags yes. on and it's the worst. And then everybody's had that, that one that, you know, that you just like, you can't wait to go in there cause they're interactive and engaging and happy. And like that, you know, you just kind of feel that energy and presence. It's really, that's really positive. That's right. And, and uh, horses pick, you know, they pick up on all of that. Mm-hmm. Good, you know, good or bad, and you can see it too. It's like you can you can totally tell. You can you go out and you're having a bad day. Your horse is just kind of like, oh my god, this guy. <laughs> and I got to put up with this guy for the next hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are forgiving. You know, that's the awesome thing about it is like they they are very. If you don't scare them, you know, like they are incredibly forgiving creatures and they, you know, they always kind of give you a second chance and excuse me, an opportunity to opportunity to redeem yourself. You know, one of the things that, uh, that Ryan, um, that Ryan says a lot is it's the only, the worst thing that you can do to your horse. And really the only thing that will do something where you cannot fix it, or can't fix it as easily or take a massive amount of time to fix it is if you scare your horse. It's like, yes, they will give you second chances and there's, you can, you can like, if you mess up the training, you can train them, you know, and retrain them and you know, all that, but, um, you can't, can't scare a horse. So they're, they're super, they're super forgiving like that. It's just, it's an amazing thing. And I don't know, I'm I actually, you know, I, ha- I don't have a whole lot of, um, experience with the Arab breed. I'm, is that, 
is it different because they are more high energy in general as a breed like when you're interacting with those horses is that you know how how does that kind of how does that relate to that breed specifically or is it not is it just like they're like any other horse breed they're just higher energy do they pick up on things you know in a different way yeah you know it's arabs are like a just very highly sensitive they are almost like a drama queen that oh i just broke a nail you know so (laughs) it, it is it's like every time you know something little happens Especially, I mean, just as a whole, I'm not saying all Arabians are like this, but in my experience with what I've trained, if you take just something little, they make it big. So when I'm training, I don't necessarily attempt to scare them. But let's just say that they just overreact to something. Then I overreact too. I'm like, oh man, this is just even worse. This is so scary. And then eventually Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I didn't have to do all that to to, you know, to that little thing. It's not like I was trying to, you know, a mountain lion was attacking them or something like that. All I did was pick up a little plastic bag to throw it away, you know. And so that's mm-hmm. just the only difference is that sometimes they're just a little bit more sensitive than some maybe some of the other breeds. So I try to bring them back down to be a little less sensitive but keep their, you know, willingness to please and the you know the good-mindedness and everything that arabians have really well but i just think that sometimes they can be a little bit more sensitive and we have to kind of bring that down a notch because it's not always necessary to be that high strung so we have to be able to give them that key to relax a little bit i wonder what uh what what's in there that causes that you know it's like you, you know, as for a little history of the breed, so th- they almost had to be extra sensitive because these Arabians were war horses. So they would go into battle and they had to be fine-tuned to everything. And, you know, they couldn't be dull. They couldn't be – they had to react immediately to what was going on. And so not only were they, they bred for war, but they were, they were bred to alert the families when something was coming. So let's say – uh, another tribe was on their way and bef- and to attack that the Arabians would be the first one to notice that and they would almost be that alarm they would be the the signal to the community that attack or something was on its way so when you see them pick their heads up even something little it's just that warning sign that was bred into them initially innately to say hey something is wrong here's a warning and i have to make sure that i'm like the guard dog almost but i'm not going to attack but i am going to make you aware through my actions that's fascinating because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if, th- if i think of like riding into war i probably would not go and pick an arrow <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i would yeah. either man <laughs> Like, like I get the the alertness and all that stuff, but I'm like, if I'm gonna go ride into a, a battle, uh, <laughs> that, that's good. I don't even know if it would be my second choice, but you know what? It's uh, so it is true that like they're breath yeah. war, and that's like uh, <laughs> that's one of the hallmarks I think of the breed. But still, it's like I I cannot even imagine riding in, especially like with swords and. You know, bow and arrow and stuff like that. And in that yes. time, it's like, holy cow, that would be 
That would be intense. That would Can be you imagine it, even getting there? You know, <laughs> can you imagine just riding the board? They want to go the other way. You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't even like I can't even like imagine marching marching up to the line. You know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I can picture it. Like I can see it happen in my mind's eye. Like me, like trying to trying to manage this horse, and you know, it's just it's kind of comical. I'm, I have a visual right now of you on your Arabian getting ready <laughs> with your beard and everything. I'm cracking up over here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be that would be something else. Oh man, I wonder like if there's any reenactments where they use, you know, because they do. I mean, they use horses in war re- reenactments all the time, and they. I don't know how many of them are Arabians, or like if that sensitivity has like you know since those times if that's been bred in a little bit more. Yes, that's you know, a good just question. Just to kind of like really highlight that and really highlight their like. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of tiptoey trot and their tail, you know, for a little bit more showmanship than, than sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of the I bet that's, that's right. The case, but. Because, yeah, I mean, if they're going into war, I mean, there's a reason why. I'm sure back then they were actually, because now a lot of Arabians are just used for show, and they like that right. snorting, and they like that high tail carriage. But if you look back at the uh, the fundamental Arabians that were first brought over, they didn't look anything like what they do now. They were uh, they were stockier. They had less defined heads. So I mean, you can still tell they were Arabians, but they weren't like so dished like they were back then. So I bet that sensitivity ha- goes a long way too. That that's really smart. I haven't thought about it like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's just it's kind of a you know it's I, I appreciate the breed for what it is now. It's kind of a shame that they lost a little bit of that. You know, not to say that they aren't courageous or anything now, but it's like you gotta imagine that situation, you know, and the amount of willingness to go into that. Like there, I don't think there's many horses out there at all like that would be willing to do something like that. That's right, <laughs> unless they were a hundred percent sure. But you hear mm-hmm. these stories of these. You hear these stories of these. Uh, you know, the horses. Um, you know, even in in World War One where they would pack in you know munitions and uh i can't remember the name of that mare that was uh uh, there was a whole story that i read about her but she packed like just tons and tons over the course of time tons of munitions uh uh, you know into into soldiers and that's just like wow that is just amazing it's incredible. I mean, have, have you read The Perfect Horse? That's uh, one of my favorite books, and it just signifies what horses will do for us if they trust us. I haven't, no. I'm going to put that on the, on the list. Yeah, I'm it's just about... Finishing up, uh, just finishing up Tick's... Uh, Tick wrote a book. It's called In the Middle of the Horseman, and I'm just, just finishing up reading that one. So it's okay. been a great read. <clears throat> but yeah, The Perfect Horse... Yes, it's about you know horses during the World War, uh, the World Wars, and um, during the Nazi invasion. So it's it's pretty incredible how people went to great lengths to save these amazing creatures. Mm-hmm. Well, they were, I mean, they were uh, of great value, you know, to the war effort. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that was uh, they were a huge asset to to uh, you know either military. It's 
because of their versatility and all the things that they could do. Mm-hmm. So I know there was uh, one more thing that you had wanted to share with us, with everybody. Yeah, well, the breaking news, and Ryan knows uh, a little bit about it, but I've kind of changed it since. And I'm just a big believer in seeing how far we can take our horsemanship and where, you know, and how far we can build a relationship with a horse. And so I've mm-hmm. decided that starting next April or May, I'm working on uh, the exact details right now, I'm going to ride Gammy, my seven-year-old Arabian mare, across the country from North Carolina to Oregon, bareback and bridleless. And wow. Yeah, so I, I am really, really excited about it. Um, not many people in the horse community know, just my family, some close friends, <laughs> Ryan. And I've never. You're going the long way, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going the long way, you know, and it's just. Wow. I, I just want to, you know, not necessarily show, but I, I just want to see how far I can take my relationship with my horse. And. Mm hmm. I mean, with, with no reins, you have very limited control, and I just want to see if we don't make it. Great, my horse will always be first, you know. But I want to see mm-hmm. if we can, and if a partnership can grow like anything else. So I just can't wait. I'll, I'll have more details later, but I'm just over the top excited about the opportunity. Wow, that yeah. is that is ambitious. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's exciting times, and um, you know we'll kind of see how it goes, and I hope I we both survive it. <laughs> why, why those? Why North Carolina, Oregon? Like, what's the? Um, I mean, when I think of riding cross country, I would kind of be like, okay, well, Texas to Minnesota or something yes. would be a little bit shorter, but that's like a. I mean, that's a haul. That's several thousands of miles. Or... Yeah, it's, it's three. So it's going to be about 3,000 miles. And mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to go ocean to ocean. You know, you see people that have run from, you know, from Mexico to Canada, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. But I, actually, this journey kind of started for me when I went to college in North Carolina. And I want to stop by my campus with my horse and uh, just kind of relive where I, where it all started. I mean, before college, I wasn't even with horses and uh, I want to be able to see some of the great monuments in the United States so I want to go by the Kentucky Horse Park on my way and then I want to go up north and go see uh, you know some of our founding fathers in South Dakota and then go through Yellowstone and see the Rockies and just kind of make it a an experience of a lifetime and one that I know we haven't adventured on but it's going to be tough but I want to be able to see the country um, before I have a family and, and, and maybe wouldn't want to embark on something like this, I, I want to be able to experience it with my horse and someone that I, and that's, I guess she is someone to me that I, I care just so much wow. about. That's, uh, that's, that's, I don't even, I'm speechless. That's like, <laughs> that's yeah. such a, it's such a cool idea. You know, I mean, I mean, t- taking that relationship to the next level where you, are able to do something like that. I mean, bareback and bridalists, no less. Like that's, <laughs> yes. You know, it would be seriously impressive just just to do that, going from coast to coast. But then you add in the bareback and bridalists, it's like holy smokes. But there's not a you know from Canada to Mexico. There's at least some kind of you know some some kind of public land trails that you can take that will get you that length but from north carolina to oregon there's not really 
I mean, there's breaks in there in public land. How, how are, do you have a plan yet for, I mean, is it just trotting on the side of the road or? <laughs> you know, they're actually making the first ever uh, cross country trail. Um, so they're hoping that it'll be open next year. So they, uh, wow. I forgot the website. I have it. And, um, and then they also have a trail that kind of once you get past Yellowstone, that'll go through up north. That'll really keep you on trails. I think it's like a 1,000 miles. And that's why I'm choosing the Oregon route because it's going to be a little chilly. But and there's a, a trail that goes. And it's funny. The more people that I tell this to, like there's this uh, a path that actually goes from the coast of North Carolina into the Smoky Mountains. Um, so I won't have to deal it's like a back roads path where only certain people can go Hmm. and so i'm trying to work on getting a permit to go that route so i don't have to go through um all the cities uh, unless you know i want to go visit my college but other than that i want to stay as far away from as the public so i want to go through you know the smoky mountains and then try to stay away from the populated areas as much as possible (laughs) that's amazing I'm just still like processing it. Like my mind is just kind of blown yeah. right now. It's, it's just, uh, yeah. So it's just, uh, it's an exciting time. Yeah. And I mean, you do it, you want to do this in the spring? Um, so I'm working on the dates now, but I'm thinking either I'm going to leave in April or May because I was thinking about mm-hmm. leaving earlier, but some of the places I'm going, I mean, if we go through Yellowstone, it can still snow in May or June. So I would rather hit like Yellowstone in like J- late June or July. So at least right. it'll be decent weather. And um, I'm going to have, uh, I've already had a couple people volunteer. So I'll have a, a truck and a trailer that meet us every day for the horses. And they'll give, you know, the, supply the water and the feed and make sure we're hydrated and have a vet uh, on handy. All, all that stuff is uh, in the works. But, you know, the, the number one thing is my horse and um, keeping her happy and healthy and uh, being able to you know survive it but we're both be able to be you know make sure that everything's there how long do you think a a track like that's gonna take so i've been researching a lot and uh you can people usually go between anywhere between 25 and you know 50 miles a day just depending on the terrain and they recommend going three days on one day off uh through the people that i've spoken with so with that it'll take somewhere between three and a half and four months i believe and uh, if it needs to take longer it'll take longer but that's the time frame that i'm thinking of right now Mm. that'll be most of most of the summer at least yeah, it'll be like most of the summer. I would like to hit the summer months and not really get into later in the fall when it's starting to get cold again, or get you know in later in the spring. Because mm-hmm. it and yeah, so it's just uh, it's a project that is going to take a lot of work, a lot of my time, but it's going to be something that I'll remember forever. Yeah, that's um, that's a lot of that's that's a massive amount of planning <laughs> and coordination yes. with people. You know, it's that is no small feat. I'm I am. I know you can do it. I have no doubt about it. I'm super excited to to follow along with that. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's going to be really cool. I hope you document it. You know, I like hope you, uh, you, uh, you know, GoPro it or something at least and, and, uh, or share reflections on it on your way. Yes. Well, actually, my sister is going to come along um, and document it for me. So she's uh, very passionate nice. about that, that kind of thing. And it'll be hard, you know. I'll have enough on my hands, bareback and bridalist, than trying to have a you know a phone in my hand or something like that. So mm-hmm. luckily, she's volunteered to come with me. Oh, that's awesome! Is she also going to be horseback or? 
She's going to be on horseback. She won't be bareback or bridal. She'll be in a saddle and uh, <laughs> bridal and everything like that. But uh, you know, she'll so be she'll cool. be there to support. That's really that's really neat. What a what a special thing. I'm just I'm still a little bit speechless. To be honest with you, I'm kind of like <laughs> okay because yeah. I'm going through my head. I'm like all the things that you need to prep, and you know just kind of get going into that mentality. Like okay, that's. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. And then, and then, oh yeah. By the way, bareback and bridalists and <laughs> yes, everyone I talk to about that's it awesome. thinks I'm crazy. And I, I probably am kind of crazy, but um, hopefully, it's a good kind. <laughs> and and going from well, I mean, I guess it's a it's a year from now. Yes. That's what you're, yeah. you're not leaving this April. No, right? no, no. So I'm no, <laughs> not leaving tomorrow. So. <laughs> That would really blow my mind. I'd be like, wow, that's uh, okay. Right. I haven't ridden in six months, so I'll just <laughs> hop on and go. <laughs> I'll see you later, man. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a trailer back from, from Oregon. Yes. I'm assuming you're gonna, you're not going to ride back to no Texas. No way. I'm going to be done. I don't think I'll ever ride a horse again after it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're going to have the best seat you know, and and of, of anybody who rides horses by the end of that riding <laughs> three thousand so. miles bareback, I mean, it's uh, that's amazing. But so. we we gotta have a counter well, th- though. How many times I fall off? You know, over under twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> Start taking bets. I don't know. I don't know. I, you're you're a, you're a great rider. I can't. Uh, I I think it would be on the low end. You know. Yeah. It it depends. <clears throat> Depends how many tarps you come across. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blowing pa- plastic bags of death. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but she's she's pretty she's pretty confident yeah, around that stuff for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I think it's most like it's the unknown terrain is kind of the and you know it's good that obviously that you're going with somebody because it'll give it'll give her some comfort for sure having another horse there. Yeah, yeah that would be, it's not uh, just us two mm-hmm yeah yeah i'm i'm excited to see how that how that in, how that affects your your relationship and how you guys you know you and gammy not you and your sister but <laughs> yeah <laughs> well my sister and i are going to kill each other by the end hopefully gammy three thousand miles <laughs> nothing but the two he is <laughs> that's funny <laughs> oh my gosh yep. that's awesome all right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Right. Uh, that's uh, that is some exciting news. I'm 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 really pumped for all of that for to and to hear about all of that. I mean, you got some really exciting stuff coming up with Brazil and and uh, you know with this community that you want to start and now this um, this bareback and bridalist ride across the country. That's gonna be that's gonna be really exciting. So thanks for uh, yeah. So the next you know twelve months. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do like a Thank building you. up to, you know, make a, you know, have that be part of the, the documentation for sure. Oh, I sure will. I sure will. I mean, and I, yeah. I really appreciate you having me on and I, hopefully we can continue this conversation as I know more about it. Sounds good. Well, <clears throat> thanks for uh, doing this and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next time. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Horseman's University podcast. Once again, this is brought to you in part by Pear Tree Ranch, Copperline Farm, and Rose Horsemanship Center. 
Uh, special thanks again to Patrick for sharing with us. Patrick uh, owns and operates Modern Day Horsemanship. He's got a lot of exciting things coming up. If you want to be a sponsor of the Horseman's University, go to thehorsemansuniversity.com, scroll to the bottom, and click the sponsor link to get started. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.